like this show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free and they have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Vocal Fries Podcast. This is a podcast about linguistic discrimination and how not to be an asshole. I'm Carrie Gillen. I'm Megan Figueroa. So I'm a linguist, and that makes me a scientific studier of language. Uh, this does not mean that I speak a ton of languages. Uh, that's not what a linguist does. Although there are some linguists that do know a lot of languages, I am not one of them. And actually, the reason I'm not one of them made me pursue linguistics in the first place. Uh, my dad's first language is Spanish, but he decided not to teach me for a variety of reasons that will come up in a later episode. But spoiler alert, it's based in ethnic discrimination. Uh, I'm a linguist, and I'm concerned about the way people police other people's speech. In fact, I even gave a, a TEDx talk about linguistic discrimination, and I've always been concerned with how we try to discriminate against each other in uh, linguistic ways. So if you want to see my TED Talk, you can go over to our Tumblr. We'll give the information at the end of the podcast, and it will give us a little taste of other things we'll be talking about in this podcast. I decided I needed to continue this work by starting this podcast, and I asked Megan to join me. Yeah, and I was actually in the audience at that TEDx talk, and I was really shocked that people around me were shocked that linguistic discrimination existed. So um, that was a wake-up call for me because I always assumed that people knew that they were being assholes. So <laughs> they, they actually don't know. So I'm happy to help uh, get the message out there. I am often policed for my own speech, and that's something that we're going to be talking about today with our first topic. Yes, vocal fry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, just a warning before we actually start. We're not child-friendly. Maybe the asshole thing gave it away, but just just in case, we swear like sailors. <laughs> Which is, you know, something that, you know, people police as well. So <laughs> Especially in women. Right. Which also ties into what we're talking about. So, yes, our first episode is about the dreaded vocal fry. <laughs> um, and yes, this topic has been done to death. I found over half a million uh, hits on Google on vocal fry. Mm -hmm. um, people love to comment on it. Feel free to comment on anything that we talk about except for this one thing. We don't want to hear <laughs> about you complaining about vocal fry because, right. as you'll hear by the end, it's not something you should be judging. Right. And also, um, you know, maybe don't uh, write us complaining about anything that... <laughs> That it pertains to our voices. <laughs> you can complain about things. I think it's fine if we say something that you think is incorrect, but... <laughs> right. Not about our vocal affectations or such. Right. Um, 
<laughs> don't write to me saying that I say um a lot. <laughs> we can introduce that stuff when we talk about the female stuff. Yeah. Later. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, one of my friends even said to me recently that vocal fry is a thing that people like to complain about to make themselves sound interesting. Oh, because it's like this one, I don't know, uh, academic topic that everyone it's like really accessible right right you know with half a million hits and when i did do a google search and looked at news i mean there's something like almost every week i know about it so so this is very relevant and you're right everyone has something to say about it yes and it's usually negative usually negative um and i and i think that we should just say don't do that stop judging people for it because it's incredibly sexist as we will discuss Mm-hmm. Um, we're also going to have some more resources on the Tumblr for, like, if you really want to learn more academic information about about mm-hmm. Vocal Fry, we're not going to be too academic. We're going to keep it somewhat su- superficial, partially because neither of us are phoneticians, so we don't actually have the very deep knowledge that a phonetician would have. All right. We'll have a few instances from the half a million hits on our Tumblr as well. Okay, so... Now, what is vocal fry? It's also called creak or creaky voice, although I did read somewhere that actually creak creaky, and creaky voice are different from vocal fry a little bit, um, but like in a way that is very technical. So we're just going to gloss over that and mm-hmm. continue to think that they're the same thing. It's also sometimes called laryngealization. As I'm listening to you right now, I'm feeling like I'm learning something because every time I get ready to explain vocal fry to someone, I'll like re-up on what I know about it and then completely forget. <laughs> like, like right after I explain it because again, I'm not a phonetician, but also it's like, I have a lived experience of having vocal fry, so why do I need to know what I'm doing? <laughs> but, but it's good to know. It's good to know, even if y'all forget about it, like, immediately. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I, every time I try and talk about it, I'm like, wait, what is it again? Yeah. Um, another way of thinking about it is called a, a type of phonation, which is another linguistic term. Um, it really has to do with the way that we manipulate our larynx or to, like, change the sound change the way that the air flows through our voice box. Um, so modal voice is the sort of neutral voice that most people have, at least sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. And singers are taught to use the modal voice, the modal, modal phonation. There's also whisper phonation. So when you whisper, you do something different mm-hmm. with your larynx. Um, and also falsetto, which is kind of like the opposite a vocal fry because you're going higher vocal fry actually lowers your register we'll talk about that a little bit more too in a minute and what happens is you're like constricting your vo- your vocal folds so that they're slacker which it's just really weird to think about but anyway that's the way it works and then it, you get this sort of creak or frying sound out of your vocal folds vocal folds or vocal cords either mm-hmm. way so it lowers your register up to eight octaves. So if you really want to sing a very, very, very low note, you're going to use vocal fry. Mm. Like uh, Tim Storms, who I'd never heard of before this week when I was doing my research. (laughs) He holds the world record for, the Guinness world record for lowest note produced by a human. And he uses vocal fry to get that note. And the widest vocal range because he can go really, really low, but also high with his falsetto. Uh, 
application. Oh yeah, and so it's used a lot in music. So, for example, Johnny Cash uses it a lot to hit his low notes. I fell into a ring of fire. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, burns, burns. The ring of fire. The ring of fire. Um, metal singers often use it to get that sort of growly sound. So it's it's everywhere. We have a Britney Spears, you know. Mm. She's she's a vocal fryist <laughs> um, to get the... to. <laughs> Maybe we can add the Britney bitch here, maybe. <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be good. It's Britney bitch. Um, and also it's used in some languages to create new words. So I'm going to try. So there's a language in Mexico called Jalapa Mazatec. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to pronounce two words. <laughs> now, it also has tone. So I'm going to mess up the tone. But C, with just modal voice, means dirty. Whereas C, with a creaky voice, means holiday. Mm. So you have to be able to manipulate your vocal tract to create different meaning. And this might be something that's hard for a second language learner of Jalapa Mazatec, but this is something that they're going to learn if it's their first language growing up. Yeah, it's it, it would be very hard for an English speaker to, to learn to do this, I think. Right. Because most of us either... There, there probably are some people who don't use vocal fry at all, although I doubt it. But <laughs> most of us use it at least somewhat, and but we don't do it to create meaning like that. So right, but I, as someone who vocal fries all the time, I'm one. Like I tried it, and I actually I felt like it was hard for me to do. Um, but maybe I'm just judging myself too harshly because society judges me too harshly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes. It's easy for someone to do if it's their first language. It's it's something that's required by the language. So uh, maybe you're starting to get the point of why it's a real asshole move if you're judging this <laughs> when, it's, when it's actually required by some languages. Right. It's just a feature. Like we have all kinds of features of language, and this one is denigrated, but for purely gender-oriented reasons. Mm-hmm. So in English, uh, most speakers tend to use it more at the end of a sentence or sometimes at the end of phrases or words. But Megan, you you use it almost entirely throughout your entire speech. Right. <laughs> I, I definitely use it, but I think I use it more canonically where I use it more at the end. Mm-hmm. So that's what vocal fry is, at least sort of somewhat superficial. But I think, you know, at least I understand it better than I did even a week ago. Right. <laughs> but so one of the things that people talk about is that, oh, vocal fry, it's this new thing. But it is not. It is not new at all. So um, as I was looking at this, I, I was looking for academic research at first. In 1989, Dwight Bollinger described Creek as a macho style that men often adopt, sometimes to convey authority. So mm-hmm. Macho authority men. You can see that that's how it was um, viewed at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1964, David Crystal and Randolph Quirk noticed that men used it as a marker of superior social class. So again, men, superior. But there's even earlier academic work going back to the 30s. So in 1937, John Firth 
claimed that Creek was associated with certain social attitudes. And this was also, I think all three people invo- involved were talking, or sorry, four people were talking about the UK mostly. So this is a, was a British phenomenon, but mostly British men, but still 1937. There's also an, a, a semi-famous example from, from the United States in the 30s, Mae West. If you think about how she talked, she had so much vocal fry. And back then, it seemed to be considered sexy. Well, when I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, I'm better. <laughs> so it's very interesting that the sexy thing has turned into this horrible thing that nobody should do now in 2017. And it was even sexy for women back then. Right. So it's been around since at least the 30s in both both the UK and the US. And men and women. And mostly men. Mostly men at that point. Yeah. Um, so the only example I could find was Mae West. Mm-hmm. There are probably other examples, but I have that's the only one I found. But still, it was mostly a men, male thing, or at least it was considered to be a male feature. So now, now why is it disparaged? <laughs> Um, I think it's because sexism. <laughs> I mean, heavy sigh. <laughs> exactly. Because no one ever points it out in men. It happens right. all the time. Right. So two men in particular that I associate it with very strongly, Jeff Bridges, an older male, American male. Has it ever occurred to you that uh, instead of... Uh, you know, running around uh, uh, blaming me, you know, given the nature of all this new shit, you know, this could be a a, a lot more uh, 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 complex. I mean, it's not just, it might not be just such a simple, uh, you know? And Benedict Cumberbatch, a younger British man. Now, so, you know, I tell you what we Brits do when the going gets tough and it feels like the whole world's crashing down around you, uh, we drink. We drink so much. They have it so much, Mm -hmm. but no one ever says, oh, what are they doing? Why? And in fact, I'm always like, swoon, Jeff Bridges, so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Maybe a few years ago. (laughs) You thought I was going to say Benedict, no? No. mm Crazy heart. Okay. Okay. So I think it's disparaged because, so I think there's two things going on. So one of the things that's going on is that when we think of vocal fry, we think of the Kardashians and the Kardashians Mm -hmm. do have vocal fry, but they also have other features that I think people sort of put together in this big pot and call vocal fry together. So they have vocal fry, they have up talk, they use like a lot. Um, and then they also have this vowel elongation, like vowel elongation, which allows mm-hmm. you to creak even more, right? Right. So I think when people think vocal fry, they think Kardashians and they think these features together combined. Right. Because when I hear people that try to emulate uh, vocal fry, they will often do all of that. Right. Exactly. So I think part of it is, okay, it's associated with these, these group of women who are considered to be vapid. So I think that that's part of what's going on. They're they're judging their speech as though it is a proxy for their their personality, right? And I and we see this too with uh, like Zoe Deschanel. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
I found that they someone described her. So the red carpet quips delivered by America's favorite quirky girl, Zoe Deschanel. And so um, I've just like for the past couple of days, I've been thinking of it kind of like the the manic pixie dream girl of speech. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. I feel like we always assume it's just a woman and we're just here like. A young woman, probably from California. Right. Maybe doesn't have any serious interests. Right, right. Because when I looked at, uh, you know, again, Googling vocal fry, I'm seeing these articles from like Business Insider. And they're like, um, advice to women, usually, on how to get a job. And it's to get rid of your vocal fry because they say, quote, it's um, you're less competent, less educated, less trustworthy, ultimately less hireable. Yeah. Right. So all of these things. Well, good luck with uh, finding someone without vocal fry at all. Right. Right. And again, if a man is using it, they don't, it's fine. They don't notice it. They don't perceive it. And one of the best examples of this is, I think, Ira Glass on This American Life. Mm -hmm. He, in 2015, did um, a little segment on vocal fry. And he was talking about how the most angry letters that they get are about women's voices. Mm -hmm. And um, he was talking to one of the women on NPR uh, that is um, was getting some email about her voice. And he was like to her, did you notice that I do it? And she was like, no, I didn't notice you did it until you said it. Right. And he said that, that no one's ever written in to complain about his voice. Right. So even even this woman that was getting emails about how like her vocal fry is terrible didn't even notice in an IRA. Well, we're not trained to, to notice it in men. We're not trained to pick on men at all. Right. We are trained to pick on women. Yeah. yeah. And also 99% Invisible, that podcast, mm -hmm. um, they have an automatic email response to anyone who emails them about vocal fry and or women's voices in general. And they just, it's just like a, we're not going to even read this email kind of response, right. which I love. No, <laughs> I do too. <laughs> and you know, we're still going to get emails about my voice. <laughs> And mine too, but yours more probably. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> okay, so that so that yeah, so there's one thing I think people associate it with women who are perceived to be vapid or or not having serious interests. Right. But I also think that there's another factor, and I sort of hinted at it earlier. So if if men use it or were using it, I think they still use it. Men are using it as a sign of social status, like hey, look at me, I have authority. Mm -hmm. Then women started taking it on. That's bad because women should never have authority. We should never pretend that we have authority. We, we should never behave as if we have social status. Mm -hmm. That makes us uppity. Yes. And there's nothing yeah. we hate more than uppity bitches. <laughs> exactly. Right? So, exactly. Yes. So that's what I think is going on. I totally buy into that, which is really frustrating <laughs> that we have to like two completely different analyses of what's happening, right? So we have like, um, and and people will have this within like in within the same person, someone is going to hear vocal fry and think that a woman is couldn't possibly be educated or couldn't possibly have like complex thoughts, but also at the same time want to kind of make sure. Like this woman, women in general don't climb the social ladder in any way. Right. So it's, it's signaling something to them in that manner too. Yeah. And and all of this is happening subconsciously. Like, right. well, not, not for all people, but a lot of the hate for vocal fry is happening subconsciously. Yeah. The reasons for it are subconscious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. So 
please stop. <laughs> right. And um, so we've been talking about how it's perceived. We have, you know, I, I found other ways to describe it as annoying and bizarre. There is a Lexicon Valley, which is Slate's podcast about language. So Bob Garfield and Mike Violo. Mike asked Bob to describe this this phenomenon that is just grinding his gears, his old man gears, and he starts talking about vocal fry. And the best part about this is that when he's saying that it's mostly women, he fucking vocal fries. And <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was so angry. It's almost exclusively among women. And young women at that, and girls. <laughs> and I like did some some science on that, and you can find it on our Tumblr. I I I proved it with science. You science the shit out of that. There is vocal fry when he is talking about how mostly women do it. So you can find that on our Tumblr. And Bob, you know, if you wanna, if if this gets to you, Bob, you vocal fry. <laughs> I am so sorry to break it to you. Um, How does that make you feel? I know. He calls it mindless affectation, and he says it's so repulsive. And I'm like, LOL, I ready. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And the other, Mike also fries. In fact, he fries more. Yes, but Mike wasn't having any problems. Like, Mike. He, he was, yeah. He, he was being more neutral. He was. He was trying to, yeah. But Bob, <laughs> repulsive, I mean. <laughs> I can't remember if it was on that podcast, but I think that was the one where they mentioned, well, I think it was Mike said, when linguists studied vocal fry, they noticed that women did it more than mm -hmm. men, which maybe that is true. And maybe that is part of the reason why we uh, notice it in women more. But I don't know. I think mostly it's just because we like policing what women do, what they wear, what they say and how they say it. Another way it's perceived, actually, depend, it depends on who you ask, right? So um, Stanford linguist Penny Eckert did a study on vocal fry, and she asked people under 40 to describe the people that are using vocal fry. Can you please describe what you think about these people? And they call them authoritative. We have people like Bob, who are older and maybe see this as like the downfall of communication, but we see people under 40 saying that no, actually, this person's authoritative. I trust this person. And it may very well be because these people also use vocal fry, right? How it's perceived depends on your age, right? And it's going to depend on your gender as well. But again, the point, there's a point to be made that women also judge other women for using it. You know, mm -hmm. it's not only men that are paying the, you know, patriarchy toll. <laughs> women no. are putting coins in that motherfucker too. As always. As always. So we we are part of the problem as well. And you might be even worse of a problem if you're older. No offense. <laughs> I mean, hashtag no hashtag offense. No, hashtag not all olds. Um, <laughs> I would just... Oh, no. I, <laughs> we're we're going to, like, get rid of... The old people are just going to hate I, us. I know. And it's going to come out that I'm a millennial. So this is all just... This is terrible. Yeah, but I'm I'm Gen X, so I'm okay, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look how we have this intergenerational uh, conversation here. See, <laughs> so um, <laughs> if if Gen X can do it, all of us can do it. <laughs> um, okay, and we kind of mentioned already that it seems to be that the perception 
of women and women podcasting is that we all have annoying voices and we should all go away and shut up. Um, yeah. Th- it just seems to be a real big problem when it comes to podcasting. Yeah. So like we said, 99% um, invisible. Um, they've had issues. The NPR was trending for some reason. And I was looking at the at the hashtag and there were women sharing stories, basically like here's here's some letters that I've received over the years of how I have, I, it was a really good story that yeah. I was reporting on, but maybe you shouldn't sound like a Kardashian or et cetera, right? right. Um, and then many podcasts that I love to listen to that are hosted by women have at one point mentioned Boko Fry. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. right, so. Like My Favorite Murder. <laughs> right, so My Favorite Murder, Call Your Girlfriend, which I listened to. They've talked about it. And maybe this goes back to your analysis of it. It's like podcasts, when you have your own podcast, you, you're the authority on whatever you're talking about, or at least you have this platform. People are uncomfortable giving that giving women that platform. I don't know what it is, but we hate when yeah. we hate when women have podcasts. It seems. I, well, we hate when women talk too much, which ah. is basically more than seventeen percent of the conversation, or something like that. Right. I okay. Yeah. Yeah. I might that, that might be the wrong number. I, I I think it's the right number for women in a cast. Mm. So if you have more than seventeen percent women in a movie cast, people start complaining that there's too many women. Right. That's where I got the seventeen percent from. So well, there is a study too, like in a like a boardroom or a meeting or something. Like if it's above a certain, I mean, it's way below fifty. But if it's something like if there's X number of women, people are like, oh, is there too many women here? And can you imagine like how? horrible it is to have two women on a podcast or just women talking to each other on podcast it's like oh my god right i mean i don't know we then become afraid that like women are taking over yeah and menstrual cycles are all gonna sink together (laughs) (laughs) like i mean yeah and so okay so it's perceived as a shitty thing for women to do but not for men to do and no not even noticed it's just not even noticed right but why why are people doing it and we've talked about this right so like um halapa mazatec people are doing it because it's part of their language and it's um to if we use it we have two different words right so it's it's an um integral part of language peer influence it's everywhere right so we want to sound like the people around us like we've mentioned this in-group identity and oftentimes this is subconscious yeah Right, so I have no idea why I started doing this or when I started doing this. It could have started with Britney Spears. Who knows? <laughs> it's Britney, bitch. I'm, you know, I was a perfect age for that. I have authority on two subjects, which is linguistics and like '90s pop. Right? <laughs> so um, <laughs> maybe Instinct was doing it too. Um, I don't know, but uh, I picked it up somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think this is something we'll talk about more during the podcast. This is a big thing about sounding like the people around us. Yeah, it'll come up a lot. Yeah. Um, so this is a really important point, right? And like Carrie mentioned earlier, it's used at the end of sentence or utterance. And also, again, like mentioned earlier, singers use it to get lower, right? So there are many reasons to do it. And it's not just women doing it. And a public service announcement that I have is that it is not harmful to do because we often hear people pathologize it. And this is this goes back a long way where speech language pathologists actually did once think it was harmful, right? But with science comes new discoveries. <laughs> <laughs> and we've all learned that actually it's not harmful. So yeah, I am not gonna die a premature death because of all the vocal frying I do. Um, right. So it's not harmful. Oh, speaking of this, 
Do we know why Adele has vocal problems? Oh. Does she fry? I don't know. She goes very low. Oh, maybe. Hmm. Anyway, so singers can hurt their vocal cords very easily, but usually speakers don't. Right. And I mean, singers have like coaches and stuff, right? I mean, that's your problem, singers. <laughs> you you deal with it. <laughs> but No, but normal people are not going to have problems with it. And I feel like with all of this said, I mean, it's not harmful. There's lots of reasons why people use it. And in some cases, it's required by the language. I think we really need to shift the conversation to not like women should stop using it, but you need to, you need to change the way you think about it. Because if it's true that, you know, employers interviewing people are like, uh, I don't like that this person has vocal fry. You need to be the one that changes. We don't, ha- we shouldn't have to be the one that gets rid of the vocal fry. Also, that means is that what I think probably you're probably only noticing it in women. So that means you're only going to not be hiring women. So yay diversity. <laughs> Right, exactly. And again, I mean, it could be a woman that's hiring that hates it, right? So we have like, um, it's all patriarchy's fault. <laughs> so it's coming from it's it's coming from the same problem. Yes. It's coming from the same institution. Yes, right. Yes. So um, we need to like really be like everything in this world. We really need to be combating the institution that has led to our hatred of vocal fry that has made us notice it in women and not the women themselves. Right, exactly. Fight the power. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so if you found this interesting, our next podcast episode is going to be on swearing. Yes, because there wasn't enough swearing in this. No, we barely swore. I know. I mean, it's almost safe for work. Almost. Almost. (laughs) <laughs> next time next time probably wouldn't be yeah so we're, we're gonna talk about why it's useful why sometimes it's a good thing to swear mm-hmm. why it's fun yeah yeah i'd also like to make a note that we really focused in on women and young women and ourselves using vocal fry and again this is called the vocal fry so we wanted to start off with something that we both do and that we are often disparaged for um using i want to note that we've like kind of completely erased a lot of people that do use vocal fry in different ways. And this could be something that we bring up again um, later on, like Chicano English, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of um, interesting uses of, of vocal fry there. So we don't mean to erase anyone or any um, manner of speaking. And hopefully we will talk about different way- these different ways of speaking later on in the podcast. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I saw that and I meant to bring that up and I completely forgot because that's not my experience. So, right. It, you know, I, again, I think we'll, we'll talk about it later because I grew up with Chicano English. My dad speaks Chicano English and I'm wondering if maybe I picked it up from my father. I mean, possible, you know, possible. So these are things that we can talk about later. We hope to get to many different topics so yes and feel free to let us know if there's a topic that you want us to address yes um there's never purposeful erasure in this podcast right so that's what we want people to know yeah right exactly so, so you can let us know by following us on twitter or facebook instagram or on our tumblr and they're all vocal fries pod mm-hmm. and fries is spelled f-r-i-e-s <laughs> 
the normal way, the way you would expect. <laughs> I mean, I, I may have spelled it incorrectly when I tried to make our uh, Tumblr, but... <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Okay, well, thanks, everybody, for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. See you later. And Bye. Don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> don't be an asshole. The Vocal Fries podcast is produced by Chris Ayers for Halftone Audio. Theme music by Nick Granham. You can find us on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Vocal Fries Pod. You can email us at vocalfriespod at gmail.com. <laughs>